Welcome to Your Social Anxiety Bestie. I'm Sadie, and I'm here to share the truth about what it's like to live with social anxiety disorder. I was diagnosed with severe social anxiety and perfectionism in 2018, and since then I've been nerding out on all things anxiety and healing. My goal is to help you feel less alone and give you tips to face your own social fears wherever you are on your journey. I hope today's episode reminds you that even though social anxiety is lonely, you are not alone. Let's jump into today's episode. Hello, hello. Welcome to episode 17. Today we're going to be talking about driving anxiety. Um, But before we jumped into it, I just wanted to um, sort of announce that the podcast hit 1000 listens last week, which to me is a huge deal. Um, I appreciate you so much. Thank you for tuning in. I hope that you've been enjoying it so far. I know that there's been lots of adjustments and changes and I'm learning new things every single time and then um, constantly reminding myself that the changes are part of the process and it's okay and it's okay that there's differences between now and episode one because that's part of the process. It's actually a pretty big accomplishment that I've been able to keep doing this imperfectly um, (laughs) if I may say so myself, because as a perfectionist, I want, my tendency is to want to learn everything about a thing and then execute it flawlessly. And in the past, I would not have been able to do a podcast because I, I like, it would have been so hard to try to get all the, all the variables and factors perfect, like audio quality, for example, that's something that I have been (laughs) struggling with and learning and I'm still learning but we're still showing up. We're still doing it. And you guys are tuning in and it just means the world to me. And I hope that you're getting as much out of it um, as I am just from having you guys here. And I don't know if you can tell, but I have a new mic today and I have a windscreen for the mic. So I'm hoping I can reduce some of the popping and all those noises that my (laughs) face makes. Um, But you can let me know. All right, so let's jump in. Um, Driving anxiety. I wanted to talk about it. It was one of the topics that was suggested when I put a poll up on my Instagram asking um, what topics you'd be interested in. And it it stood out for me because driving driving anxiety is something that I've struggled with for a long, long time. It's the reason, it's initially the reason why I started taking medication. Like it was the first barrier, I guess, between me and the world that could no longer be ignored because it was such such an inconvenience to, to not be able to drive once I moved to where I live now, where it's it's very helpful to be able to drive places. But I thought I would um, start by just sort of giving you the perspective that I'm coming from, because I know that there's different dimensions to driving anxiety, but my perspective is social anxiety. And it's as someone who has struggled with driving anxiety, but who has not been in a serious car accident. Because I know that, you know, if you, if you have been in a serious car accident, according to some of the reading I've done, obviously PTSD could be something that develops as a result of experiencing something like that. And if that's something that you have experienced, I just, I'm sending you so much compassion because I can't even imagine how much harder that would make it 
especially if you're layering that on top of something like social anxiety. So it's not a perspective that I'm going to speak from just because I, I can't do it justice. I've been lucky not to be in an accident more serious than hitting a deer when I was 16, which honestly was traumatic at the time. And maybe it contributed, but it, it was not, it was not a serious accident in, in the sense that I think that this article meant, I don't know, I guess everyone experiences accidents differently. So if you have experienced a minor accident that led to PTSD, um, please don't interpret this as me dismissing that, like everyone's different and you have to just honor where you're at and work with what you've got. Okay. So I wanted to start with what does, what does driving anxiety feel like or sound like for me? And then I'll give you a few tips that have helped me and an affirmation that I hope will help you too. So I thought of 10 examples that I can give you for driving anxiety um, because it, it, it takes many different forms. But for example, if I have to change lanes and it's busy, I will often try to avoid having to make the lane change. Like it comes from a place of generalized anxiety too, like what, what bad thing might happen, but also I'm, I'm worried that I'm being in, I'm inconveniencing the other drivers or I'm being rude by cutting in too quick or like I get all this mind reading from social anxiety that factors into something as simple as changing lanes. It also surfaces when I have to turn left on a green light and I'm worried that I'm going to turn left at the wrong time because like there's so many things to consider. You're, you're sitting like when you when you don't have the arrow. I mean, you've got you've got the green light and you have to wait until the oncoming traffic has cleared. But then you've got perhaps the other car that wants there's a car across from you and it wants to turn left for for it for its. You know what I mean? You want to go left and it wants to go left and there's cars and all the cars, so many cars that stresses me out. Oh, and pedestrians, you're going to turn left, but you have to make sure you don't hit a pedestrian. Nobody wants to hit a pedestrian. Speaking of pedestrians, I'm afraid of cutting off a pedestrian. If I have to cross a crosswalk, I'm also terrified of hitting a bike, even though I'm very vigilant of bikes around me. I worry about being, being seen as driving too slow, being like, oh, look at that anxious mom. She can't drive fast. I, I don't know. This is me putting thoughts into people's heads that come from my own head. I'm also worried about driving too fast and being seen as like a reckless hooligan. Again, perhaps nobody is thinking that. Um, we're at number six now. Number six is I worry about parking stupidly. A number of times I correct and recorrect how I have parked in a parking spot, especially if like other people can see me and I'm like, oh my God, they saw that I'm a little bit out of alignment. And if I don't fix it, they're going to think that I'm a jerk because they're going to be like, why are you not fixing your parking job? Whoa. Why are you, who, who are you to not fix your parking job? This will not make sense to anyone who doesn't have social anxiety, I think. But if you're listening to this podcast, probably you can relate. I shamelessly avoid car washes, like the car wash place, which sucks because I love car washes. It's like one of the coolest things that you can do in a car, but I'm worried like, I don't know how every different car wash works and there's a little tracky thing that you have to put your tire into. And what if I miss? And what if like, I don't know, I spin out and tear down the whole building and then it's just, and then my car, my car disintegrates. And then I'm just inside the car wash with the big car washy 
washers, just like washing my face because my car died. I Anyway, we're going to move on. Number eight is driving with other adults in the car, even if it's people like Jesse or family members who love me and don't want me to feel like they're judging me. I feel like they're judging me because everybody that I know is a more experienced driver than me. And, and they, and they know that I have a history of being terrified of driving. So I feel like I'm always on display, like, look at me, look at me driving. Did you see that stop sign that I didn't miss? I get very self-conscious. Drive-throughs. I avoid most drive-throughs except Tim Hortons. I'm pretty comfortable with most Tim Hortons drive-throughs now and McDonald's, but only some of them. They can't be too complicated. has to be easy to get in and out. And the kids have to not be screaming in the car. And then the last one is gas stations. I think the thing about gas stations is that unless I know the gas station, there's, there's, there's too much unknown there. Like how many pumps are there? Is it going to be easy to get in? Um, what if I park too far away from the pump and then the, the pumpy, the pumper, the thing with the gas that comes out of it, the tube and the handle, what if it doesn't reach the car and then I have to get back in the car and back up? And what if they think that I've just stolen gas? <sighs> Social anxiety is hard sometimes, you guys. I know you know. I know you know. <laughs> so those are my 10 things. I'm, I would be curious to hear if you can relate to any of those or if you have any that I didn't mention. Like, honestly, I could probably just do a whole episode on the things that scare me about driving, but that that might not be the most helpful thing for you. So speaking of helpful... I have five things that have helped me. One of them is to take it one step at a time or one moment at a time. Don't try to mentally map out every step of your route before you even get into the car because that is a recipe for freaking yourself out because like I I used to do this, I would have to think, okay, this is the route I'm gonna take. I'm pretty sure there's a left-hand turn there I can't, I, I can't remember if there's an arrow on the road that will remind me that I can turn there. And I don't know if, if that light has a green arrow or a green light circle or how many stop signs am I going to hit? How many lane changes do I like? I think at some point you have to stop and just trust that you can make decisions as you go because we can't predict everything. Even if we do know perfectly what the route's going to look like, unpredictable things can come up. And Like for me, when I finally had enough small practice driving under my belt that I was able to stop trying to mentally map out all of my routes, all of my steps, that's when I made the biggest leap forward in my driving because now I could practice driving in much more places because I didn't have to know exactly what it was going to look like. Um, The second tip is that it's okay if you take a longer way or if you miss a turn and have to reroute or have to circle back. No one else is going to know. No one knows that you wanted to get to that exit, but it was too busy and you didn't feel com- you didn't feel comfortable changing lanes quickly. So, you rerouted and then you're going to get the next exit or something. Like, yeah, it it sucks if it's going to take you longer, but no one else knows and it's not the end of the world. And the person who gave me this tip, which was like 10 years ago, Um, This person doesn't have social anxiety. So we are not the only people that would miss a turn. So it's, it's really just a mindset. Like it is okay if you don't take the most optimal route every single time, at least you're still driving. Number three, it's okay to pull over and just get your bearings, catch your breath. Um, I do this 
especially if the kids are freaking out in the back, but not just with driving, but with a lot of things, if you just need to stop and breathe, that's fine. No one, no one knows. It doesn't matter. Um, if you compare driving to like going for a jog, sometimes you have to stop and catch your breath. Sometimes you have to walk. It's really okay to just reset, play some music, get yourself pumped back up, uh, call a friend and then get back onto the road when you feel a little bit calmer. That's totally okay. And you would not be the only person who does it. Number four is go for training drives or practice drives. I did this. I drove around the small block near our house. I drove around the big block near our house and it just builds up your confidence and it's okay. That's part of dealing with anxiety. It's exposure, it's baby steps. You can even think of it like working out, you're working out, you're driving muscles. Uh, The last one is don't drive hungry because for me, my mood is so, so affected by hunger. Hanger management is a, is, a, is a big component of anxiety management for me. And if I am hungry, I'm very likely to just start crying if something bad happens. So pack a snack. I like chocolate, but I know that chocolate like worsens some people's anxiety. So maybe if you don't, if you don't like sweets, you could like pack a pickle or broccoli. Those are, those are weird examples. Maybe don't pack broccoli unless you like broccoli. I'm not a broccoli judger. We're going to move on now. Okay. So that was the five tips. I did want to reiterate that what finally got me behind the wheel was medication. That's why I started taking medication and it's what took the edge off. It's not what resolved all the struggles I was having, but it's what took the edge off enough for me to get behind the wheel. So if that is something that you feel like you need or you're open to, uh, there's no shame. You're not the only one who needs medication or who takes medication. So talk to your doctor. You know, only you will know if it's right for you, but it might be. That said, it's not the only way. So, you know, everyone's different. Anxiety looks different for everyone. I have an affirmation for you, and it is an affirmation to help with the anticipatory anxiety before driving. So when you're when you're feeling tempted to mentally map out every step of your route, which will inevitably freak you out more, tell yourself this affirmation. It's a little bit long, but it's going to go in the show notes. So I love saying show notes. It's going to go in the show notes. So don't worry. You can just relax and listen to it. Anxiety is telling me a story right now. It's telling me I don't have coping skills and I can't handle the drive ahead. But I've handled a lot of hard things. I've always figured it out, even if it wasn't perfect. So even if I feel anxious, I will be okay. I always figure it out. That brings us to the end of the episode. I hope you like this new format. This is the second episode with this new, more structured format. Um, I'm liking it. And I do have a little story after the outro and it has to do with gift shopping for the kids. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode and I hope you found it helpful. Anxiety thrives on avoidance. And we can take back our power by just showing up like you did today. Remember that you're probably underestimating how strong and wonderful you are. And you're probably overestimating how perfect and put together other people are. So show up scared. Show up imperfect. Just show up. And while you're at it, come find me on Instagram at your social anxiety bestie so we can be awkward together.
so we've been doing a lot of Christmas shopping because it is that time of year. Um, at the time of recording, it is the week before Christmas. And uh, over the weekend, my husband, Jesse, ran out to Toys R Us to get a couple little stocking stuffers and a couple of presents. And uh, his background is physics and math. So he's very into the STEM product, um, STEM toys and STEM activity boxes. So he's super excited by that. So while he was there, um, I was doing the kids baths and they were just being their goofy little selves. Jesse called to ask my opinion on a couple of presents. And he was, he was asking if he should get the kids a microscope or a telescope or something like that. Like, are they there yet? Are they, are they old enough for that kind of thing yet? And I thought about it and I looked over at the kids who didn't know why I was on the phone with him. I looked over at the kids and there was Olivia sitting in the tub, surrounded by bubbles, pulling her own hair hard for no reason. And I looked over at James and he was poking himself in the eye because he thought it was funny. <laughs> so I told Jesse that I think we're a few years away from microscopes and telescopes. Maybe we'll work on not hurting our own bodies first. Yeah. Okay, bye. Mm -hmm.